Welcome to Coach House Talks. I've been asked to talk about the identity of the church. And what I want to try and do is bring in some of my own experience of, of what that is. Because the church is not the building. As you can see with this picture here that I put up, this, this is church. And this is in India. It's under a bridge. And yet there are a group of people that have gathered together to worship God and to learn from God's word. And that's what it's all about. You are the church. You are the people. And without you here, there's no church. It's just a building. It's a nice building, but it's not doing anything. And that's why I want to identify now with the church and what, how it's helped me as personally. So I put here, the church, the church is the body of Christ. All those who have accepted Christ's gift of salvation and followers Christ's teachings. In the Bible, church is never mentioned as a building. It's always referred to the church as a group of people. So being the body of Christ, we are continually shaped to be more like Christ. And this is our identity to the world. I always remember when I first came to this church, uh, and I said this last year, but there was a text that they used to have at the back, that as you were walking out, you were entering the mission field. You don't have to go abroad. You don't have to go to Romania, India, Africa to be a missionary. It's when you walk out of the building and you go into the streets, you're now in the mission field. And that is the church going out. Ephesians 5, verse 1 says, puts it this way, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved. You know, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Romans 12, verse 2 says this, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we've established that the church is the people. Um, I just want to give a bit of experience of myself now. Uh, I'm not going to give me age away, but 43 years ago, I entered the doors, this church wasn't here there, the doors at the back into the back church. I was brought up in a Christian home. I was brought up at a very big church, just down the road from here. But because of circumstances in my life, at the age of 28, I backslid. I don't want to go into the circumstances, but the thing was is that I felt betrayed. I felt as if I wasn't wanted. I felt because of the circumstances as I, I, that was happening to me that people didn't care at the church that I was at. And so I left and I backslid. I went into the world. I did everything opposite to what I was brought up to believe. One of those, I had, I had a very good job, I was well paid, so I could do things that probably a lot of other people couldn't do. But I used to go into the clubs, I started drinking, I started smoking. My brother wasn't a Christian, and he was growing marijuana upstairs in his attic. And so I would go around to his house and, and, and smoke that. I did everything 
that I was told. And, and inside me, I knew that it wasn't right. But because I had felt rejected, I thought, well, I'm going to give this side a try now and, and see what happens. The thing was, God has a plan in everybody's life. As Christiana says, you know, once you know about God, it doesn't leave you. And I remember one evening, I was living in Reddish then. I got a little terraced house there. I had a phone call from the pastor of this church, who was Gordon Wright. And he'd heard about my circumstances. And he heard about the problems I was going through and where I was heading for. And he invited me to this church. Now, I'd heard about Coach House because from being a child uh, and a young person from Besham, we used to go to the old Coach House that used to be down the road. And it was a Coach House. And um, so I, uh, I had a connection with this church. And I thought, oh, God, if I come, people know me there. And he said, it doesn't matter. He said, I would like to invite you to come to the church. And if it hadn't been for that invitation... I probably might not be here today. I'd probably be dead or in a bad state. And I came into that church, and I have to admit that I was, I was a little drunk. And I remember standing outside the doors at the side, and Gordon's parents came either side of me. Now, his mum wasn't all that big, but his dad was not too bad. And they walked me into the church and sat with me at the back and held me up when we stood up. <laughs> but that affected me so much that when I went home, I thought, I felt inside me, you know, that was church. It was a family. Nobody, nobody criticised me. In fact, that many people that came up to me and shook me hand and asked how I was and, you know, what I was doing and uh, if they could help... It affected me so much that when I went home, I thought, well, you know, church is not the building. Church is the people. It wasn't the building that wrapped its arms around me. It wasn't the building that talked to me, encouraged me. It was the people in the church. You are important. Don't anybody ever think. Every individual one of you is so important and special and you have gifts. So at 31 years of age, I gave my life back to the Lord. And I got involved in this body of people. I got involved as I grew in my Christianity again, because I knew all about the Bible, I knew all about things, but as I started to mature more, uh, I got involved uh, with young people in the church and children. And it was Andy and Pauline Swindles and a few others of us started a youth club called uh, Tuesday Club. And um, that grew and grew. And eventually, our pastor invited us into the church to have it here. I then got involved in house group leadership for 15 years. I also got involved before that... Uh, a man that really affected me in this church was a man called Eric Swindles. That was Pauline's father. Uh, he was the missionary secretary then. And I remember him uh, asking the people in the church if we would help other people as a body of Christians in other countries 
who couldn't get a Bible. And so we started packing. Uh, we used to get packs of Bibles with literature in, and we'd put our uh, address on the back, and we'd have an address to put on the front. And we would send them out. Some went to Romania, some went to Russia, Bulgaria, a lot of the, at that time, the con communist uh, countries. And we would send them out, and sometimes we would receive letters back, and we'd have them translated by a lady that uh, didn't come to this church. I forgot her name now. Christine Rodolfo. And she would translate them and give us those letters so we could read them, what we received. And I've still got two of my letters in Romania with me. Um, encouraging us. I mean, we were sending Bibles out to Romania and Russia and that, and people were encouraging us to do more. Never thinking that one day that I would end up in Romania. As I say, then I got involved with the church, with the, the um, house group leadership. And for 15 years, as I say, I led a house group. And plus, on top of that, we did many trips into Romania. As some of you might remember, we used to go at Christmas time and we'd take uh, aid, we'd take gifts, we'd take food, we'd take medicines into a place called Honidwara, um, which we were involved in at, with a big Pentecostal church in Honidwara. And so I started to get more and more involved. And other people started to see that you know, what I was doing. And then I felt the Lord call me one day to uh, go to Romania. And I went, I think, on my own. Oh, no, I went with another person. And I went to Bucharest with the help of people in the church. They supported us. And we went into Bucharest to work with, uh, or meet a young woman called Vierica Strate, who was working with street children who lived in the sewers. And uh, I had never experienced anything like this in my life. You know, having children. I mean, some children were born in the sewers. And uh, this affected me so much that when I came back from Bucharest and I was talking with the pastor about it, I said, you know, I said, I'm going to pray about this, but I really feel the Lord wants me to go to Romania to work with these children. I mean, I had... Uh, <laughs> Like Christiana, I had no uh, idea how God was going to use me. I just thought I was going to go for a year and then come back and then and that would be it. And I remember going uh, the second time to uh, Romania and the Lord really stuck it on my mind that this is what I want you to do. And I used to think to myself, well, I can't do that, Lord. I'm, I'm not as... I don't know the language, I don't know the people, I don't know how I'm, where I'm going to live or how I'm going to support myself. Um, but, you know, this is where you put your trust in God. Not just in people, but in God. And then I had people coming up to me and said, well, if you want to go to Romania, let's get together as a group and we'll pray about it and see what God's got for you. In January 2000, my daughter was getting married. In fact, it was January the 20th, 2000. And um, on my mind, I talked with Pastor uh, Gordon Wright about this and this, that, and the other, and we decided that I was going to go out for 12 months. 
after my daughter's wedding. And I was going to work with another Christian, which I thought was a Christian, to build a, a foundation uh, or a, what we say, an orphanage, but a building for, the, for, for children who were living in the sewers. And I thought, oh, you know, right, God, this, this, this sounds right. This sounds fantastic. One of my biggest mistakes was never put your trust in man, ever. Never put your trust in man. And sometimes the Lord takes you through these things to make you realize not to do these things and teach you and mature you. And I went out to uh, Romania, to a place called Hartsek, where I'd been before, and we started to build this orphanage, and something went drastically wrong, drastically wrong. And um, this person who I thought was a Christian, it turned out that it's, I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, turned against me. And... Uh, took every, all the money and everything and left me in Hartseg on my own with a, a, a bill of then £25,000, which was a lot of money 20, uh, in 2000. And the Lord had to somehow, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was just a young person. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the language. And I was stuck in Romania with debt. And uh, I remember phoning Pastor Gordon up and I was saying, look, I said, I think I've made a big mistake. You know, maybe I've let the people down in the church and this and that. And Gordon said to me, he says, put your trust in God. We'll pray about it as a church. To cut a long story short so that, I mean, what time do we finish? Yeah. It's cut. Minutes to, go, <laughs> <laughs> to cut a long story short... The thing was is that um, I managed to get out of Hartseg. The pastor in Codlia, their church were praying about it. They'd heard about it. And they sent out two people to try and do a moonlight out of Hartseg. And um, the church in Codlia were praying about it. The church in Honeydwara were praying about it. And the church here was praying about it people and I had letters I had phone calls there was one lady that supported me beyond unbelievable and that was a lady called Mum Bailey and she was the an elderly lady in the church the, the, husband, the wife of the founder member of Coach House and she used to write me letters and at the end of every letter she said Stephen trust in God keep on keeping on and it's those sort of things that encourage you you know, you, you might think you can't say much or do anything, but even a letter with some words on it encourages. And I remember getting out of uh, Honidwara. That was a miracle. That was a total miracle getting out. And I ended up <clears throat> with a family in, in, a, in a house that I thought was a, a shambles. It was a total a mess and I thought God where are you putting me where are you putting me you know what what am I going to do what am I going to do now in Codley when I was supposed to be doing in in Honidwara uh, and the thing was that the word that I got encouragement do it in Codley and I thought how can I do it I can't work in Codley without support of a foundation 
We had no foundation. So then I got in touch again with Pastor Gordon. It's good having a good pastor. It's good having a good pastor. And I got in touch with him and I could talk with him. And he prayed with me about it. He said, let's see what we can do. And we started uh, in March 2023. I remember uh, being in the courts in Brashoff, trying to set up a foundation that I was told was going to take two years. But with the prayer of people all over, now it just wasn't in, in here and, and in Romania, but all over, the prayers of people touched the heart of the, the judge in Brashoff in Romania. And within three months, we had the foundation set up. God answered prayer in many ways. And the Lord helped me so many, so much. But when I look back and I, and I realize what has happened, it's only because of people who love God, who prayed for me and supported me. I had no support. I, I, I didn't know where I was going to live, uh, where, uh, what money I was going to get. I was living then on 20 pound a week. But God answered prayer. And what I want to do is encourage you this morning is the fact that you might feel as if you can't do anything. I was in a mess right from the very beginning when I was 28 years of age, never thinking that one day I would be a missionary in Romania. And I, I want to sh uh, show a few photographs just to encourage you of what is happening in Romania through you, the church here. And the first one, this is a, a group of young people in the mountains of Holbard. This is one of the schools that we go to. And this, uh, I don't, you can see me at the back there, but this was a, a group of, the, of children from the school who are all orthodox. And they're virtually told by their priest not to be involved or connected with any other religion, especially uh, we're working with the Pentecostal church. And these are young people and young children that we're reaching with the gospel that you as a church help those of you who pray for us and support us. Without that, we couldn't do this. Number two. <coughs> and we, what we do with the children, we, uh, we have sort of an open Sunday school because um, we can't go in the buildings. So this is like a, a Sunday school outside in the open. I mean, it's, it was very cold, but, you know, the, the, the children are, are eager to... When you mentioned about Jesus and, and things like that, they don't have this from the Orthodox Church. And we tell them stories. We give them, you know, we give them certain things to read, literature booklets that we get. And this is a group of uh, children of the Sunday school. Not in a nice warm place, not in a warm building, but outside in the cold. This year... Um, with your help, we were able to go into the mountains of Holbav and uh, give every family on, on the, the far side, oh, the, our side of the hill, um, food bags. And these people have no running water, they have no electric, no gas. 
It's just like going back 2,000 years. And I took a group of the young people from our church. So this is church. And we went round and we prayed with families. We shared the gospel. And at the very end, we, we don't show food bags <coughs> if we can help it. Because if you show a food bag or they think they're going to get something... They won't listen to you. They'll just wait for the food bags. So we keep the food bags hidden, and then we share the gospel. If they walk away and they don't want to know about God or this, that, and the other, then they, don't, they, they miss out on the food. But these young people now are, sh- are singing outside a house where their uh, children, uh, there was a f- mother and father and 12 children. Uh, they have fairly big families in the mountains. Um, but this again is church. This one. Now this is in a, a place, this is just a square building they call church, the building. But this is a, a gypsy children in a, a ratch. It's a, a, an area about 35 kilometers from where uh, I live. And these are the young children afterwards who have received the shoeboxes that you as a church made up. And this is the result, is when we've shared the gospel with the children uh, and they've had uh, songs and so forth and prayer time. Now, some of these children, uh, we ask them, those who want to pray, because now they they, they know how to pray and that. And uh, they pray, we have songs, we share the gospel with them, and then we give them the shoeboxes. So this was in a, a, a game a church. The children are so important. If you can get the children, I think Khrushchev said once, if, I, if you give me a child from the age of five, I'll make him into a strong communist. These children are growing up now in the knowledge of, of Christ. But it wouldn't be there except for what you as a body have done and given. Next one. This is a, another a small gypsy church in um, Feljuara, which is again about 25 kilometers from us. All these children didn't know they were getting a shoebox. We just went and we just shared the gospel with them. And we had songs singing. And then at the, the end, we said, now from England, from the church, I said, you've got a gift. And these are the boxes that you did for these children. That's why church is so... Without you, we can, I can't do it. These children would get nothing. Um, okay. Now, in the mountain, uh, we have, have built a small... Oh, sorry, in the people I live with. Uh, we built a small cabana, we call it. And it's um, in the mountains. And it, it was hard work. Uh, constructing this as Andy Andy will tell you because he came to help me um, do some work there and I think it was 40 degrees wasn't it as we were moving trees and everything around and we've constructed this building where we can have church these are some of the young people from our church where we have church up here and also this is for people within the church who can't afford to go on a holiday can go into the into Holbar, into the mountains, and have a week or a few days um, 
holiday and they don't have to pay. Um, but these, these are young people that have grown up. I mean, when I first went out, these were babies. <laughs> Shows you how old I am, doesn't it? But these were, these were babies. Now they're in the 20s. And um, they're just having fellowship. They're just having a time of uh, get-together, uh, study. We, sh- we shared the Bible. And, um, and again, that is church, not a building. Let's... This is the last one I've put on. And this is where, again, the body here helps me. This is a fa- one, of the, one of the many families that I visited at Christmas. And the sad thing about this is that <coughs> the, the mother of the one that stood up um, passed away. She came to our church, a, name, a, a lady called Constantinescu. And she'd been at our church for, I think it was 50, 60 years. And um, she died. And the church, uh, we did the burial and everything. The church did everything that. And then, and this is the sad thing, the church forgot about these. In other words, they were just forgotten. They were left out. There was no follow-up or anything. And I've been visiting this family now for 20 years. And they're what we call in Romania a dysfunctional family. The, the husband, uh, her husband died. This is the daughter. She's a schizophrenic, the one who's holding the cat. And the daughter's just um, dysfunctional. Uh, she doesn't do anything, nothing at all. And they get no help. They get no social. Um, she gets a small pension because she's um, classed as uh, invalid with a beard. I think she gets about uh, £20 a month. And they live in this uh, two-roomed place, small house. And I went to see them at Christmas. And I I go during the year as well just to give them some food and just have a a short talk with them. But without you, this is the results of, of going to visit these people. And there are many people that we visit like this. And so it's so important as a body of people to, um, as the church, to do what you're doing is missionary work. I mean, because without, without you, I couldn't be there doing what these people need. But pray for these people. Um, I've got um, quite a few churches now praying for the work that we're doing because it is difficult. I mean, I know... That, Uh, Things are very difficult now because everything's so expensive and everything's so um, dear, electric gas and food. But when you think about these people, uh, they they can't use the electric, even though they've got electric. And the only heating they've got is their aragaz, which is, um, hang on a minute, I forgot what, an oven, which is a little stove and it has a gas ring on the top and they use that. And that's the only heating they have in that house. But I just want to say thank you as a church for all how you, how you help. You might think that, you know, when you, you're at home or you're doing nothing, you know, when you put anything in, in for the missionary work for the, for the foundation, I mean, this is who you're helping. And we're so grateful. And God is so grateful. You might think that you can't do anything. And I'm going to close now. You might think that 
you as an individual, uh, you can't do anything. You've got no talent, you've got no gifts. And I find, I think of Mum Bailey, she couldn't do a lot because she was riddled with arthritis, but she would write a letter and send a letter. There are other people in this church, or were in this church, that used to phone me when I, when I came back to the Lord. And just a word on a phone is so encouraging. You might be able to invite somebody for a meal. I'm not asking for an invitation there, but you might invite somebody for a meal. <laughs> you might invite for a meal. You know, that might mean the world to that person. Just sitting by them, talking with them. You know, I find in some of the churches that people come into a church and they sat there on their own and they're looking around and nobody talks to them. It's so important that if you see somebody new come into the church, into the body, go and sit with them. I do this at my church, you know. And sometimes some of the older members think, oh, no, you don't do that. But that's what family is. This is a family. You know, would you do the same thing when you met your parents or anything? You do the same. You'd, you'd go with them, ring them, help them, buy some food for them. Just share the love of God, you know. One instance that I, whenever I go out in the morning, I always ask the Lord, because I, I have to exercise because of my heart, you know, I've got to keep me out going. And so I'll walk around the town in the morning, right round our town. It's not very big. And I always say to the Lord, you know, Lord, if there is somebody that I can bless this morning, you know, guide them to me or guide me to them, you know. And it's so often many times that the Lord shows me somebody and is, is going to see that person, go and help that person. If you're willing, God will use you. You know, if you just sit down and you say, well, I'm... I'm not, I'm not interested. I, I'm just looking after myself. I'm all right, Jack, blow you. You know, nothing will happen. But if you put your hands in God's hands, he'll use you. How he used me, how he's used Christiana. I never, ever thought I'd be in Romania. I mean, I'm, I'm just amazed how the Lord has kept me. He's supplied me. Uh, I, you know, I've never been short of food. I've never been short of a place to stay. God knows your needs and he'll supply those needs. And I just want to leave you with this scripture, Colossians 3, 17. And it says this, that whatever you do, this is for the Lord, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it with gusto, I say. You know, do it with, the, with your full heart. And God will bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at www.coachhousechurch.org.